0: Welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and today our guest is Mark Snook. Mark has over 25 years experience in the hiring rental industry and has specialized mostly in pumps and dewatering. He's worked at companies like National Hire and actually did a tender for 17 years at Coates Hire. He more recently took on a new challenge and joined Pumps United, which is part of a larger organization called Vortex Group of Companies. Mark, thank you for coming on the podcast today. And to kick things off, can we just talk about how you got into the hiring and rental industry?
1: Yeah, so back in 1995, I, um, I'm a fitter by trade, and I'd been doing a lot of remote work, a lot of running around that wasn't in Sydney, and there was an opening for a, a fear for Kooljik's Hire, who uh, basically was a hire business that supported their own construction company. So I think it was late, probably uh, late, late 95. Um, and then I, I become permanent, I think early 96. So um, just a lot of fixing of equipment. It was just good to really, you know, just be close to home. We're literally five minutes from home. So And, you know, being a little bit naive, about hire higher, I thought it was just, you know, nine to five, you know. <laughs> yeah, so that was really, it was totally different to anything that we know today. You know, it was... It was three guys in a branch who um, delivered stuff for like a handyman business, like Cool Builders. So uh, that compressors, small pumps, um, just the odd bits and pieces to, to allow them to get their construction done, you know. So that was pretty cool. And then I was with them for, I think, in 1999, they were, they were actually purchased by a national home. You know, that was uh, probably the start of hire, as I know it, you know. Uh, the first three years were Kind of, you know, I didn't even think it was work. we just turn up and, and had fun, you know. There was there was no pressure to do anything other than when the builders needed something, um, get them supported. A lot of good stuff came out of that as well. Um, I I used to work Monday to Friday in, hire, in the hire yard. And then on weekends, Saturday and Sunday, I'd actually get a gig with their builders. So um, it allowed me to put a, a deposit together and, and get the first house. So...
0: So you mentioned that when the acquisition happened with National Hire that's when your your career in hire really kicked off. Like can you talk about some of the changes that occurred after the acquisition? So
1: basically the whole change was it's gone it went from a very unprofessional you know gathering of people because it was it was just really freelance kind of stuff to a a business who who really knew what they wanted. Um and part of that was acquiring the Corjigs um Higher division and, and and basically turning, I think we had three branches in Coregex and then and bringing them in and, and running with them under the National Higher brand. So it was challenging that change, but I think change is necessary because uh, you, you tend to get stale as well. So it was, I could see some really, really good opportunities for me uh, professionally and, and personally as well to learn. You know?
0: Okay. And so when you say there's opportunities, were you a hire controller before National Hire, or were you still a mechanic, or like what was their transition then?
1: You know, so I was still uh, so over the over the early days, I was I was still I was a fitter, uh, and then when National Hire, uh, so just before National, hire, took I'll become uh, more of a, a hire controller, uh, so off the tools a bit and more controlling day to day. Um, every basically that hire control position is is probably the, the beating heart of every every hire company, you know. Because um, they just organise everything. So really, you know, from, from that role um, into, you know, I think I took on a little bit of branch management when I needed to as well. And then I kind of stepped into sales, which was uh, probably just after the Olympics. I, um, I kind of took up a sales role uh, with National Hire. Um, and that, I think, was my calling, I believe.
0: Yeah, well, you wouldn't have been doing it for 20 years if it it wasn't something that you were really passionate about, which I'm sure we'll get into very shortly. So you also would have been part of the National Hire and Coates Hire merger, which is probably one of the biggest acquisitions, or most important acquisitions in terms of the history for the rental industry in Australia. So how did that sort of affect your career? And, And you obviously would have learned along through that process as well.
1: Yeah, so that was so with that National Hire. Um, there was actually quite a few acquisitions. So Coates Hire being being one of those, uh, National Hire acquiring Coats. There was, there was a whole stack of small ones right through, from you know within a couple of years of me starting at National Hire, right through to the you know the the, the tail wagon the dog, which was you know National Hire acquiring Coats. So. It stepped up again as well, you know. It was kind of, was kind of things that, you know, you don't really understand that the the amount of work that went into that, uh, that the whole transition. It was it was quite amazing. Like it was, it was just really really great um, experience to go through. Uh, but the whole the whole growth journey. I, I even today I talk about um, the, the hyper growth. Um, and through National Hire, that allowed me to actually experience that and experience it firsthand. We, when they started the pumps business, it actually went at National Hire. It was just a bolt-on to another branch. So it was kind of really mixed up with um, all the tools and equipment stuff that, and it was a bit hard to separate. So I actually caught up with EGM and, and kind of had to do a pitch to him to, to separate it out and become a specialist business. So we, we had the high lift, we had the portal we had the, the light and power. Uh, we had the sheds, and, and then all of a sudden, we, we had a pumps division. And that was a really, really key key moment for me. Um, and that and just allowed us to really focus on that product, uh, and become very specialised, and, and really kick some goals. But it also allowed us to go, well, basically, I went from knowing absolutely everybody in the business, to knowing nobody, not very minimal, you know. Went from that, you know, 90% of people I knew, all the way down to like 20%, just through those acquisitions. Um, but part of my role is there's a lot of training and education as well. So I used to do some just, you know, uh, fundamental, you know, pump applications, and get around to, you know, all the local salespeople uh, and, and all the local branches, and try to really get them really motivated and 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 thinking pumps are really sexy, you know.
0: That's great. You you really provided some insights into the history around National Hire and, and and sort of where it's come from, which is which is really great. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that can probably remember some of those days as well. So so talk to me about what attracted you to pumps and dewatering.
1: I'd have to say, uh, being a fitter by trade, the, the uh, I did my time at Arnis Biscuits and we had a lot of a lot of pumps, uh, pumping food products, so chocolate, anything that was, you know, liquid we we could move, you know. I probably I really took that mentality through into the pumping um arena and i was I was lucky enough to to get a hire basically on my first site visit and it wasn't it was just a cold call called in they needed a pump um they're actually going to use somebody else who that they, they were going to use I think there was only one or two suppliers back then um and I kind of talked them around to give us a shot you know and we got it done and then it just you know, spread word of mouth, um, doing the hard yards, it kind of all paid off.
0: You know? Got the sale on the first site visit. I think that's fate working on your side for sure. So, so look, pumps and dewatering, it does require a very much a technical sales engagement. Everything needs to be designed and it's very complex solutions depending on, you might be doing a sewer bypass or whatever it might be that you're sort of building up for the customer. Talk to me about some of the challenges you faced moving into a role like that.
1: I'd have to say that you really you've, you've got to know your product and you've you've got to understand your capabilities and really you need to, to walk before you can run you know what I mean so you really you're concentrating on getting it getting it right and then you can sell a a, a yeah, premium product and that rapport once you get a customer out of trouble because sewer's is flowing down the street all the authorities are looking at, at it and you just make it happen everything comes together. And you, you basically, as a sales person, you, you actually facilitate the whole process. And, and just communicating it and keeping them um, informed of what, what's happening where you're at, um, it just really allows, it really allows growth, you know? that, that whole rapport, the whole, that first bite, you know, you've got to get that first bite. Once you get that first bite, and then you, everything lines up with all the people that you, you put in place and, and the, that process, it um it, it, it's like picking daisies.
0: I can't say I would say the word daisy and sewer bypass in the same sentence, but I get what you're saying there. Now, with all your experience, you obviously would have seen a lot of change in the industry as well. How has the pump and dewatering industry changed in the past 15 or so years?
1: I'd have to say um, all the good jobs, all the easy jobs were done 15, 20 years ago. So all the ground that wasn't contaminated it was just a just a, a free run of of getting their development done, um, and then obviously over time the only stuff we had left was the stuff that was quite contaminated, um, and then laws and rules change around you know extraction and 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 release permits. Um, so I'd say you know it, it would would be the, the compliance. You know the parameters have gone from. You know, very, you know, like just not regulated as what we are today. But you know, and that's the beauty about where we are today is that you yeah, know we have really, really smart people to sort out. Um, you know, we've got chemical engineers. You know, we've got environmental scientists. We actually have product managers. You know, who who really look after stuff for you. Um, all I do is facilitate. You know, so which is which is pretty cool. So it allows people to actually take over from where I left. Um, and they're a lot smarter than I am as well. So, you know, it's um, they're actually making me look good.
0: I think that's a good point. Like the technical sales really requires a group of people to come up with solutions for the customers. And in the early days, was there many companies that were doing that? Or was there a select few that were really specializing in that type of engagement?
1: Back in the in the really, really early days, you know, there they weren't. As I said, there's only a couple of suppliers. Um, one of them being uh, Shorco. Uh, and they were so good at what they did. They they were they were amazing. You know, they were the guys who you looked up to. We want to be like them guys. No, and then you know, and then you think, well, no, let's let's be better than them guys. You know, um, and and they are so customer orientated. or they were very customer orientated, and and I took a lot of learning. So it pays to know not only your own capabilities but everybody else's capabilities, you know? And then, and then find out what's different, you know? What separates us from them? Um, and then really push that point, you know? And back then, it was, it was all about choice, you know? They had to use Shortco because there was, you know, other than going directly to Coates uh, or Rec Air, um, I don't even think Canards had anything like that that back in, in the day. Um, it, was, it was really, you know, they basically had the market and I really enjoyed that that growth period where uh, I could. It was, it was a personal challenge for me to, to try and get as much of that pie as I could. You know, um, it, you know, and, and it kind of was pretty exciting. You know, um, and I still talk to a lot of the the old Shore people today. You know, so even though we were fierce competitors, there's some really really good people in that industry. You know.
0: Okay, and so now obviously you did 17 or so years at Coats, but then you moved over to Pumps United, which is part of the Vortex group of companies. How did that transition happen?
1: I, I really like the, the hunting aspect of sales. You know, when you move into a, a, a big organization, you're, you're the, the floating carcass and everybody's taking a bite. So I, I really, that's why I love the, the National Higher Growth Strategy. Um, and it was just, it's about winning, you know. And it was, I kind of nearly fell in love with the hiring industry, I suppose. Um, at, towards the end of my time at coach, and, and I just thought, you know, I need a break. So in, I think it was late 2016, I, I kind of put my notice in around December. Uh, not knowing what I was going to do at all, I was, I was kind of, you know, I just wanted to stop. You know, all the stuff you promise your wife you're going to do. And you've got a big list of stuff that you never do around the house because of the hours that you do in hires. You know, I kind of got all that done, um, which that then gave me just time to stop, reflect, work out um, what I was going to do next. So, um, and it was actually Steve Donnelly who um, who reached out um, for me to come and join um, what what he calls Vortex today. So. And he kind of sold me his, I suppose his dream about what he's done. So he's actually, he's invested in, uh, I think it was like three or four different businesses. He was going to bring them all together. Um, they they didn't have anything in Sydney at all. Um, so he wanted me to come and, and see what I could do. And he just said, oh, just do what you did at National High. And I said, yeah, but I did lots of stuff. <laughs> he said, no, no, he goes, just, know, yeah, I trust you, just, just do what you need to do. Uh, which is, which is really, really good. You know? Um so I think the first, first month in in um, in Sydney, like, we're actually servicing out of Newcastle, so that was quite tough. Uh, and then we, I think, so I was actually working at a McDonald's using their free wifi. So it, um, you know, that, and that, it, going from having somebody to do something for you, no matter what it was at, at, at a Coats Hire, to all of a sudden you're doing everything yourself, I actually found that, um, it was like, holy! What have I got myself into? But then I thought, how cool is this? You know, I'm the master of my own domain. I'm, I'm only going to win this or lose this. You know, so I found that really, really exciting. Um And then, you know, if you look at today, like fast forward three years, where you know we've got, you know, was it nine thousand square meters or something here in Smithfield, and and we're extremely busy. You know, um, and it, I'm very proud of where we are. You know, uh, it's been. Um, and, and Gary has been a massive part of that journey with, with his smart uh, marketing and, and just, I think, faith. I think, um, I think he described our sales team as a bunch of weirdos one of his, in one of his uh, podcasts. And it probably explains our business. You know? we're, we're all very um, passionate about doing what we need to do to succeed. So. And that in itself breeds success.
0: I did listen to that, that podcast and I, I love the way that Gary explained um, the analogy of, of the employees within the Vortex Group, which is quite entertaining. So so I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into understanding like why you lost your passion, because it sounds like it would have been a massive loss if you didn't come back into the hiring industry and there could be other people out there that could be in a similar place. So I really want you to try and just talk a little bit more about like why, like why did you lose your fire and then what brought it back?
1: If I was totally honest, probably the last maybe 12 months, it was, I didn't, it wasn't that, that, that hunting attitude. You know, it was, it was more about managing accounts and collecting uh, and just and keeping away. It was just, it's a totally different sales and, you know, being that carcass that's continually getting chewed up by other sharks and fish and it's kind of, it gets you down, you know, it really does. So I, I kind of, I didn't know what I was, wanted to do. I didn't know where I was going to, I didn't even know where I wanted to come back into hire at all. So it was just, it was just, I just had to stop, you know, I really just, um, just for my own wellbeing as well, you know, like I really, you know, I mean, I was, I was coaching, you know, 50 and I thought, geez, like, I don't want to be doing this when I'm 50. You know, the odds of me doing something else after that, it gets slimmer and slimmer. So um, I really uh, liked the, um, you know, just that break. I really needed a break. And and that's all it was. And, you know, even I caught up with, you know, its fielded several phone calls from from the guys I left to come back and and do a thing with them again, you know. And I kind of, I couldn't see myself doing that because, one, it's not fair on them because I couldn't be, um, wholeheartedly in, into that. Um, and it wouldn't have been fair on myself or you know, my family because, you know, you, you, even though you don't take that stuff home, you do take that stuff home, you know. Um, so it was more... And then what motivated me, like, I actually got everything done on the list, which was pretty amazing. Um, I found out I was very good at jib-rocking. Um And, you know, and then out of the blue, Steve called me up and said, hey, mate, I'm, I'm going to be in Parramatta Can you catch up? I'd love to grab a coffee. And just the timing was just right, you know. And that was probably about six or eight weeks after I'd I'd finished with coats and and then just full-time getting back into, getting renovations done, you know. Um, And it was pretty, um, you know, he just, just, is. there's one guy in this place that I'd run in the war for and that would be Stephen Donnelly. He's very, very, um, he's really such a good person to be such a
0: that's great to hear and, and I'm really happy that you found that passion again and, and big props to Stephen Donnelly and, and the guys at Vortex Group of Companies to really make that happen as well. So, And I really appreciate you sort of going down that rabbit hole a little bit because, as I said, there could be other people in that same situation um, and they, they might just need to listen to this uh, and, and get that fire back.
1: Yeah, but I didn't even know that I was going to come back in industry. That's the thing, you know. I kind of, um, I kind of as I said, I've fallen out of love with the, with the industry and it kind of, um, you know, co hire a big beast. They are a big beast, you know. Um, you can easily get lost. So it, it's very important to, to, you know, to stop and reflect and work out what you want to do because life's short.
0: All right, so let's do some self-reflecting. If you could give your younger self some advice, what would you say?
1: I'd say, um, oh, that's that is a really good question. I would have to say that don't take no for an answer, you know, and find a solution. There's always a way to do something. You just got to, you know, find the right path.
0: Interesting. So. So maybe like, what does that mean for you? But like, it sounds like maybe in the early days you were questioning yourself a little bit, or was it because there was already big players in the market? Uh, like, like talk through that a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So, so that that comes from basically, you know, when I first started, who hires pumps? I don't know. Like, so if I if I went and if I saw a pump, I'd stop, and then I'd nearly interview like we're doing today the bet the customer you know and then it was just a really good insight because then you know he he knows that you're very passionate about what you want to do and you know having somebody else it just provides choice so and i know the i know that shock i didn't like it um but i knew there was enough room in the market for, for more than one player and i really enjoyed that whole um, the whole hunting thing really getting amongst it and and really you know keeping them honest you know. Um And it was never. And you know, people say, "Oh, you know, you could be cheaper." Or it's not. It's understanding what they need and then giving what they need. Don't assume what a customer needs. You know, um, and and listen. You know, L- listen. Look for buying signals. They'll tell you. You know, that's why Cabe has been so hard. You can't really, you know, you can't actually read body language. Um But you know, there's other ways of doing stuff, and and life does not stop, so we just got to keep going. You
0: know? Don't assume what a customer needs. I love that line. That's that's definitely something that everyone should take away from this. That's um that's probably a, something that everyone's done at some point in time in their life. You mentioned COVID playing a part in in not being able to sort of have that interaction with customers face to face. Like, how has that sort of um, affected your your day-to-day
1: So 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 our brothers in and sisters in in um victoria still in covid so it's been quite challenging so um it's in the early days uh we actually started up a um it's called zombie party so we we all got together and you can either stop and do nothing or you can you can do as much as you can to keep motivated and really um, you know and really change your own outcome, so i I kind of challenge and I'm not one for telemarketeering and and ringing and sending emails, and I love to do it face to face it's it's if I'm feeling stressed, i get in the car and go and talk to customers you know um, i I found that uh, and that was Gary's idea as well um and it worked really well you know it got our our teams highly motivated, I think. We're very lucky to have um, you know, with everything in lockdown, we actually didn't drop numbers substantially. It was it was kind of um it was kind of it was a really good um, eye-opener, uh one for me, because I'd never actually done that stuff before. Um and then and just you know, and then we, we'd actually have a, a weekly uh Teams meeting. So you know, I used to keep that quite uh quite fun as well. Um I did yeah I was known to dress up in a couple of weird outfits for each friday for for you know the five or six weeks that were that were in lockdown so that was uh that was a lot of fun and and having the team guessing at what I was going to come as or dress up as was, was was quite um was quite funny as well so
0: that's quite funny i I do remember seeing Gary Radford share some photos of um some of his team members in a guerrilla suit so that makes complete sense now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was week one, the gorilla suit, and I think I had, um, yeah, the Stormtrooper, I had Luigi off Mario Brothers, and Rick and Morty, and um, yeah, it was, it was just really good fun, you know, it was like, like, life's too short to be so serious, you know, and you gotta look on the bright side, you can't, you know, you don't want to shrivel up and die, because that's what'll happen if you allow it, if you allow it to, you know, so it just, just communication. Just talk to everybody. Find out what's happening with them. What's happening in their world? Um, they might be in lockdown, but you can still really stimulate them by communicating. You know.
0: Now I just took a mental note of something you said before. You said something along the lines of when you get stressed, you go visit customers. <laughs> that is an amazing line. Can you talk through that a little bit more?
1: Well, what I'm talking about, I'm actually. Um, this is a little bit weird, but it's, um, I just wanted. I'm in my zone, you know. I really, you know, I, was, I spent some time with one of our BDMs only last week um, and I ran into a guy I hadn't seen him in 20 years and, you know, we got within, you know, two feet of each other before we realised it was COVID, so we had to give the old elbow, you know. Um, and then he turned around to everybody in the office and said, we found our dewatering team, we're in good hands, you know. And that was, um, you know, it was really it, it kind of lifted the BDM, you know, because then he, he thought, holy crap, the rumors are, you know, it's more than a rumor. This guy, you know, actually knows what he's talking about. So, um, so it was really good, you know. And um, so I actually like spending a lot of time with our salespeople. You know, you can you can manage people, but unless you're willing to get in the trenches with them and, and, and show them how it's done and lead, um, it, it that's the difference. Yeah.
0: That's that's really good It reminds me a little bit of uh, a quote I read in a book from Simon Sinek Which was uh, uh, Leadership is not about being in charge Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge Which I think is sort of what you were alluding to just before And you, you obviously would have got these qualities By being mentored by other people Who were some people that played a big influence in your career?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I could probably start. So I have, I've had a series of different mentors through the whole journey um, because we all change, we all develop, we all, and then we need uh, other stimulation. Um, so, right at the beginning, uh, I'd say National High was when I knew that I was going to be around for a long time because I just I really enjoyed what I did. I have to say, um, a key mentor back then, there's probably a few, but I'll probably just name a couple um, Adrian Manning. He gave my he gave me my first um, sales um, opportunity. Uh, Greg Parfit, um, he was um, he's a guy that I actually talked to into turning um, our Bolton pumping business into a a, a division. Uh, and I'd have to say a guy that I'm actually lucky enough to work with today, even though it's remotely uh, Benjamin Gillies. So, um, so that was earlier on. Um, and then and then as we we merged, um, you know, there was a couple of extra rec hair guy, uh Graham Quinn. Um he was Quinny was a, a very um straight shooter, down to earth, um and, and kind of he allowed me to really um, really grow in, in his area that he managed as an area manager. Um and I think the first um meeting that I had at one of his sales meetings, the sales guys, oh no, it's it's too dry out here, there's no pump work, you know. I think within within a couple of months we had, you know, half a dozen twelve-inch pumps, um, a stack of eight-inch pumps, um, some long-term highs in the mines, and it just really turned them around and and turned one of our branches into into a hub out west. So it was um, it was pretty cool. You know?
0: That's uh that's really good to hear, and and that's that's a a great story about someone questioning the ability to to be successful in a certain region. Um, I think when I was interviewing Andy Kennard earlier, he, he was saying like location is, is one of the, the key factors around success as well when you wanna grow a business. Like don't just copy everyone else. Uh, when someone says it's impossible and you sort of go in there and you find a way, which we were just mentioning, there's gonna be huge opportunity there. And then obviously over time, you've obviously passed on some of those uh, skills onto other people. I'll, I'll, karim was someone that mentioned your name and that's how we got talking so like how have you sort of been associated with him and how have you helped him a little bit
1: so when so karim was a high controller at um i think it was a, a correct me yeah, you'll correct me i'm sure if i'm wrong but um at gladesville branch and we're doing a course together and he he was he was going to take the, the the launch in the sales you know and we're just running um you know, just different ideas, just you know, chilling the fat basically. Um, and he um and then he, he actually took the took the job and, and I spent a few days um you know, every other week on the road with him just trying to figure him some ideas and, and show him, you know, just a little bit of tact. Um and then when how to um, also react to no we're not interested, you know. Um and that is you know, ask open questions, um and I said even if you say to the customer just give me an opportunity even if it's just to keep the bastards honest you know and we, we actually went and saw a client and he used those exact words and, and he, he walked away with an opportunity to quote and then at the end of the day he actually won the hire so that was and he, he couldn't wait to get on the phone and tell me so that was a pretty pretty cool
0: moment so. how funny is that that's um there we go there's a tool for people that are listening that are in uh, equipment rental sales or any type of sales, really. Um, there's, a, there's an opportunity to use that, that line in overcoming objections. Now, talk to me a little bit about how you define success or maybe some moments in your career that, that really stood out.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, very, very real, very, very good question. I, there's probably been a couple of occasions that I've kind of thought, Geez, that was cool. Maybe, you know, I think I'm doing the right thing. Um, I think very, very early on, um, national High they used to run sales competitions. So we'd get all the salespeople into a condensed area and whoever had the most hires at the end of the day would win, um, I think. Um, and Greg will probably, you know, Greg Parfitt will probably, cause he's the one that, that ran these competitions. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I won seven out of nine. So, uh, so that was pretty pretty cool. But that's that hunting instinct coming out, you know. Um, and that's something that you know, if if you can install that, um, it's nearly unstoppable, you know. Um, and then the other one was um, right on the right on the merger um, or the acquisition from from National Hire and, and, and Coates, I had the opportunity to meet their CEO, um, Malcolm Jackman, who, um, you know, he was introduced to you know, a couple of high-level people and then he, he came over and shook my hand. Um, and I, as just as I said my name, he goes, you're the bloody thorn in our side. Um, so that was that was pretty cool and, and a lot of people around me got to hear that as well. Um, he didn't actually say bloody, he said another word, but I don't want to use that word here, mate. So.
0: I could see why that was a big factor in, in what you would see as success or, or, or a key moment in your career because yeah, the merger was a big part and, and to have the opposing CEO recognize that is, is, is a big accolade to your success in the company. So talking about success, like, what advice would you give to maybe the next generation? Well, how would you sort of help them go down that similar path?
1: Ask lots of questions. You know, you've got to. You know, there's no good or or bad question. You know, yeah. If you're if you're thinking of asking a question, you guarantee there's somebody else wanting to ask the same question. Uh, don't be afraid. You know, what's the worst that could happen? They could say no. You know, um, and if they say no, you know, find out why. You know. Is it you know find out what their, their pain points are, understand what they are, um, you know find out what their needs are, you know um, don't be uh, too aggressive, you know understand, you know understand closing signals, you know so a lot of all that stuff is is what I try to do when I'm actually on the road with with our sales guys, um, just sitting back and watching and then critiquing and um, you know because. What you don't want is is to over, you know. You don't want to point fingers, Oh, you should have said this. You should have said that. Because that just that doesn't work. It doesn't bring out the best in anybody. Uh, it's got to be very con- constructive. Um, and I think that just respect. You know, you've got to you've got to have respect for um, what you're doing, the people you're talking to. Um, don't tell them. That customers don't want to hear. We have an agreement. You have to use us. You know, um, that will make them run. Um, faster than you can, you know, you can think. So it um it's all about tact, um knowing what you want. Um so, you know, setting a plan where you want to be, you know. Um I know I'm very big for, for planning and I, and our guys you know, I sit with them and do a 30, 60, 90 day plan, you know. And a plan is designed for when you get off track in higher like you do every day because stuff just happens. Um, it's designed to pull you back and then get refocused and then get back into it. So I'd say um, advice would be plan um, and, and just ask questions, you know, like, and know what you want, you know.
0: Asking questions, yep, that's definitely a big one. It's uh, a lot of people get wrapped up in talking and explaining features, explaining what they do rather than actually trying to listen to what the customer Needs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's you know, it's it's key. You know, like, and it's it's sales one on one. You know, you match um, their needs, you know, to to what we do best. You know, and then it's it's drawing a line between the two. And you know, once you can, when you're in a sales meeting, and you and you understand what you know, what what their needs are, and then and then you put your best forward with a solution. The customer's eyes light up. You can actually see it's like a light glow moment, you know. Um, and then you know it, it's it's in the bag. But you know, a big one is is you know understanding uh, people's disprofiles when you're in a meeting. You know, that is a that is also key. So you know, and then and then adapting to each. You know, you know whether they're driven or, or you know um, they're a bit more social. So you've got more time to talk about their, their family and their all that kind of stuff. You know. Because um, if they're driven, they don't want to talk about your family. They just want to get the deal done and get out of there. I'm too busy, you know? So really understanding um, who you're talking to.
0: That's interesting. So, yeah, you obviously put a, a bit of focus on the psychology side as well and understanding people's behavior and, and how, it, how it's important to, to not overlook some of those those factors.
1: I think that you've got to be mindful that everybody works different hours. Um, and everybody performs differently and also what's happening um, in their environment, you know? So just getting that rapport with a client where they know, Hey, on a, this time on a day, I, I won't ring him because he's doing something I'll, I'll ring him either before that or after that. And that leads into them understanding what you're about as well. So it's like some of my best mentors have been customers. Does that make sense? Because they, you know, I knew nothing about building roads. So I went and I actually had, you know, a two or three hour meeting with a with a general super on a, on a road project. And he told me he ins and outs of that job. And then I was lucky enough to help manage the Pacific Highway upgrade when I was at Coates as a supplier. And there's more to building roads and knocking trees down in front. Like. Um, so it was really, um, really great to understand that. And then, I, and then the tunnel boom. And I actually did the same thing with tunnels. So it's kind of, you know, it's about learning from the best, I think. So I kind of, I reached out to these guys, as, hey man, I know nothing about this stuff. You know, can you, and one of them I said, hey, I've got a sales conference. Can you come and tell us our, our sales team what it takes to supply um, you and your business and what you expect from us, you know? Um, and then as soon as you have that buy-in, it just it's, it turns out that it's a different level of relationship. You know? um, they don't ring up and ask for a, a price anymore. They just ring up and, and ask for gear.
0: That's great. And and uh, you only get that by focusing on the customer. And it's really refreshing to hear that you found your passion again. And it's clearly coming out on the way you're describing things. And I'm really glad that you've uh, gone through everything you have, and then obviously ended up. With the Vortex Group of companies,
1: it's just really refreshing to see a whole group of businesses come together, and and really have that same instinct. Having a, a guy in marketing who is just, you know, he's a little bit insane sometimes, but he's really good at what he does. Um, you know, the the hashtag, you know, fear the fish. You know that that was just amazing. You know, and that that was Gary's thinking. Um, he, he just knows his stuff and. And he's probably the second person
0: that I'd run in the war form. So. Yep, Gary definitely has the marketing side down because that's clearly a big factor in terms of the brand. I, I think, even just from, the, from me personally, looking on the outside, you were saying that you, you, you get in there. When I look at the stuff online, it looks like they're already there. Like it's just a, such a well managed brand uh, for that group. And yeah, you can you can see the success is definitely eventually gonna come.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be good to um I wanna go for that hyper growth that we went with national. That's that's my goal. And I can see it. We're so close, you know. We're we're so close to that that happening. It's it's really refreshing. It's um and there's so many supporters of our business there's, um who, who are helping us out, our customers and clients and and, and guys who, who really um, who really want to back us as well, you know, which is pretty cool. And, and we've got so many smart people, as I said before. You know, I, I thought I knew a lot about pumps and dewatering. And at the end of the day, compared to a lot of other people in our business, I know very little.
0: Well, I really want to thank you for coming on the Rental Journal podcast and sharing some of your stories and, and, and the journey that you've been through to date.
1: Uh, you're you're welcome and, and thanks for having me it's um it's been a great reflecting on on my journey
0: well that wraps up another episode of the rental journal podcast please follow share and like and hopefully see you on the next episode